Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Flip Flop Experience. I am your co-host, Marla Watson, along with the adventurous herself, Miss Leah Thrapp from Flip Flops and Adventures. Hey, Leah. Hey, everyone. So we're having a really great day, and there's a lot of people that ask, how do you travel with children? Leah has that down to a science. Working on it. You're working on it. She is very lucky to have a great teacher that works with her. Today, we've got... Tracy McIntyre, owner and educator of Little Elm Steam Academy, which is a micro school. And I've got to be honest, I really don't know what a micro school is. So Tracy, what's a micro school? (laughs) Well, thank you for letting me come today. This is exciting. Um, Short and sweet, a micro school is just based on small ratios and being able to touch every child. My kids, I only go up to 12 kids. Oh, wow. And some schools who are micro schools go even smaller than that. And that is the kind of the premise is to have a small group of children that you can interact with and have one-on-one time with. I love this so much. So how did you and Tracy become acquainted? I was searching for a solution The Little Adventurer is very social, super social. And when he was little, we did school by ourselves. And most of our school was just adventures. We did lots of mini adventures and local adventures. Go to the aquarium, go to the library, go to story time. You know, we could really easily incorporate it. But as he got older, he needed more challenges. And he also really wanted social interaction. So I kind of needed some help. We knew we weren't going to go to public school. And so we were just trying to figure out what, what does this look like? We needed someone to partner with for social interaction, for challenges. He loved doing things like science experiments, but all the research shows that children learn more by doing those kinds of interactive learning with other students and peers. And I I really want to encourage a love of learning. The most important thing about his education to me is to learn how to learn and to learn to love to learn. And so for him, that definitely meant being challenged and and having more social interaction. I started doing research. There's a ton of options out there for people who want to do this kind of parallel home learning and other kind of learning, but most of them are a lot more rigid with a lot of attendance requirements, a lot of homework and things like that, which were just not practical for us. They're also really expensive and you have to pay for them whether you're there or not, which also was challenging for us to pay that much, knowing that sometimes you might miss a month at a time. That puts a lot of pressure on him to catch up. So we needed to find something that could be really customized. I stumbled across the Reggio Emilia style of education, which really spoke to me. It was all about play-based learning and the kids learning from each other's learning. So when you see kids kids do a science experiment, they try a couple of things. But then what happens in, in that sort of environment is that a kid sees the other child try something and they say, huh, if that happened when he did this, what would happen if I did this after he did that? And then they're watching each other and they're teaching each other. And that was really important to me. So I stumbled across Miss Tracy's website and I thought, oh my gosh, this lady's doing everything that I want. So I went to meet her and I was like, she's everything I wanted in a teacher. I mean, she was basically, her school was exactly how I wanted homeschooling to be. And so he started going and it's just been an amazing partnership in, in education and collaborating in lots of ways. We are passionate about a lot of the same things, so we've had a great time working together as a family. Okay, so this episode is called The World is Our Textbook. Yes. You have a unique approach. 
How did you come up with your approach? Oh, wow. Um, There's many different reasons. One of them was how I grew up. I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a senior in high school. Before that, which is what's going on with this child? She's all over the place. I was very artistic and a very visual learner. I had to touch. I need to smell. I need to use all of my senses. When I graduated, I was supposed to be (laughs) going to a fashion school to be a designer. That was my focus. That's what I wanted to do. And, you know, life had some turns. I lost my mother and we ended up moving down here with the rest of our family and got into education through my church, actually. And just that was my little journey. And then it was it was great. I was teaching pre-K and kindergarten. It was wonderful. I was finding out that I didn't teach like everybody else. I kind of taught the way I was told. When I was diagnosed, Dr. Brown, and I will never forget him, he said, it's not your fault that we're not teaching you the way you learn. We need to teach children the way they learn. And we have failed you for 12 years. You're not a bad kid. You're not a hyper kid. You're a kid that needs a lot of touching and you need to use your senses. And so many kids need to hear that. It's they not their fault. I was that kid. I was too. I was that kid. I was diagnosed in high school and everybody just always made me feel like, why can't you? Why can't you? What's wrong with you? Yeah, do it right. Why can't you listen? Yeah. You know, it just was, no. I spent many of my years, <laughs> even in the environment that I was in, which is in early education, I knew I didn't want to be in public school. I wanted a little bit of freedom. And even though I had that freedom, I was still finding myself in a director's office going, Tracy, <laughs> I don't know if we can pull this off because we would be outside learning, you know, so I'm outside the box. And I liked that. And I was reaching my kids and my parents were appreciating that I was touching on each kid. There was a lot of kids, but I was trying to make time for each kid. By the end of my time, I was getting ready to get married, having a baby. And was like, you know what? I need a break. When I decided to get back into it, my son was one and a half and I was directing at a school and I was the area trainer for the school as well. And so I noticed some things in my son and I backed away and said, this was it. I need to take some time. My son was diagnosed with autism. We went on that journey. And when it was time for him to go into elementary school, I was really very just cautious wanting to watch and wanting to make sure, okay, this is this kind of kid. Oh, we know. I'm like, no, 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 no. I understand what you're telling me about autism, but this is who Roman is. Please make sure that you're doing this because then you will be successful in teaching him and he's going to be successful. Of course, it didn't work. So it was like, you know, when I decide I want to get a school, I want to make sure that I touch each child the way they learn. I learned about IEPs, which is an individual education plan typically for a child, a special needs child in the school system. But for me, it was like, you know what? Every kid needs this. It's a breakdown. How they learn, how they're going to learn. Evie's going to have something in there about behavior. And so I was like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to create an environment for kids, any kid, no matter the income. If I can handle it, a special needs kid, I want them there. I wanted to make an environment where it didn't matter where you came from or what you were doing or how you were learning. This was a safe place. And I wanted it in a building. I was like, I need it in a building. This is what I came from. It's going to be big. It's going to be beautiful. Then after a while, I was like, I need it smaller. I need it safer. So about the time, you know, we were having a lot of shootings in the schools. And I was like, I can't risk this. I need it to be safe. And so I built it in my school. It was kind of off of my son, off of my background. 
I tell people it's not for everybody. You are going to have to abandon all of what you know growing up and realizing that we've got to figure out how our kids learn. Because if we don't, we are kind of failing them because we're not digging into our kids, all of our kids. So Yeah, I definitely felt like growing up that I didn't know I loved to learn a yeah. lot of the time. I didn't realize that I did. I did love to learn right. as a child. I was an avid reader. Yes. And, yeah. Right. We really yes. were. And I honestly had a teacher. I'll shout out Coach Amick. And (laughs) Coach Amick was awesome because he would travel during the summers and he would give us like little slideshows. When we talked about World War II, he was showing us when he was in Germany and he went to some of the concentration camp sites and and he like brought it to life. It must be a coach thing because Coach Schultz was mine and he was amazing. And he would tell us stories and he studied international history. Mm -hmm. He could have been a great historian. And coach, I think some coaches get bad raps as teachers. I remember thinking like, wait a minute, I do like history. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing that in my entire life, I've been reading historical fiction and loving it. But I never even correlated history class to my love of history because it's so disconnected. It's so true. And the little adventurer is quite a (laughs) gregarious learner. He is super interested in things. I think, of course, his parents make him that way. I know that this is a joy of his. You've brought the joy back to school. Yeah, definitely. My mother graduated high school when she was 16 years old. I never knew a brain like hers. She was an amazingly just a passionate woman about who she was and wanted her daughters to know that. My father dropped out of junior high to continue working on his family's farm. He had the work ethic, but he was also an extremely intelligent man. And he taught himself. He taught himself how to read. I don't even know. (laughs) I don't know his mind. I don't know where it came from. You could just hand him calculus, anything. He was like, well, baby, just do this. And you're just like, what did you just say? And my mother was just like, duh. (laughs) And you're like, what is this? So in my head, it's like, I know how our mind works. You have a man who only had up to a junior high level education, who was an extremely smart man and could tell you anything about the world. They were very much into the world around them because you have to know this. If you don't know anything about anybody else, that all you know is about the people in front of you and how they look, how are you going to interact with them? That's so true. And we don't give kids or people enough credit that you can teach yourself and that your ability to learn is huge, even without traditional Even without traditional. Mm -hmm. You can make any child bloom by addressing the way that they learn. I believe with what you're doing, you're actually taking... You're taking a young mind and instead of them being the precocious child, you're embracing their intelligence and their excitement to learn. And as a segue, just a little bit, how is it to have kids that travel? Just to kind of bring it back to the travel center. I'm a person that believes, period. You can learn anywhere. My father learned on a farm. So to take someone who is traveling, you've got the world at your feet. Mm -hmm. You're learning about money, math. Mm-hmm. You're learning about history. Yes. You're getting those people skills. Now you're interacting with someone who doesn't know your language. How am I going to communicate with that person? And I don't know the language quite yet. Body language is everything. It is. Social skills. You're, you're, I mean, there's so many things you're learning, period. That's why I say your classroom can be everywhere. You can hit every single subject. Okay, if you're traveling, how can you learn how to write? You're writing postcards. Look where I am. Simple sentences. We even, during this last trip, Jameson had a little photo album on the phone 
And he was taking pictures and sharing them in a shared album. And then he was able to write notes in them and share with Miss Tracy and the kids in his class and with his grandparents. Like, this is what I did today. This is what we were doing in this picture. And he didn't realize he was doing writing, but he was like practicing writing Mm -hmm. while he was telling people what was happening. So it was fun and it was something he cared about, but it was really an easy thing you could incorporate into the day to get some school in. Mm -hmm. Jameson's also super articulate. I have to wonder if a lot of your kids are very articulate. Each in their very special way. They are. In all my years, I hate to say the number, but in all my 20 years, (laughs) this is the most, the most incredible group I've had. I've never seen a group of kids who want to know the why, who ask the why. Last year was a huge example of that. They were not afraid to hear the why, and they wanted to know the why. They could articulate very quickly what was wrong. For example, um, we know the marches and everything going on last year. The race tension was very high. And I I talk about history because we have to know it. Mm -hmm. We do. We always talking about different cultures and we were talking about Martin Luther King and I will never forget my kids' questions. I'd never heard these questions before in all of my years of teaching. We saw a video and and it was showing some some things that I wanted them to see that I knew it wasn't going to be too much for them, but they I knew they needed to see. And I will never forget Jameson's reaction when he saw a fireman with his fire hose and the people huddled up against he's like, they're not on fire. And I looked at it, I said, no, no, they're not. So he's like, so there's no need for them to have water on them. That's hurting them. That water is really hard, Miss Tracy. I said, yes, it is. He said, it can break a window. I said, you're right, it can break a window. He says, they're not doing that to help them. They're doing that to scare them. I said, you're right. And so these, these questions, they were all just really watching. That's not what you're supposed to do if you're supposed to help somebody. This is what you're supposed to do, A, B, and C. And I'm just looking at them and they're not scared. But you can see in their eyes, this isn't right. And you can also see, this is something that wasn't talked to them. This is something natural. It was a natural instinct coming out. It's a natural out. instinct. That's not, that's not how this is supposed to go, Ms. Tracy. Yes. That's not how the water hose is supposed to do. This is not how we're supposed to treat each other. I've never seen a group like this. It was just like, it was so just eye-opening to me that, okay, Tracy, I'm on the right road. And I'm giving them that space that they can say whatever they need to say. They can ask the questions. And if I can answer them, I will. Sometimes I had to text some parents. Hey, do you mind (laughs) going here? Because this is what your child is asking. And how did the parents react to that? I was surprised by some of them. They were like, oh, Miss Tracy, we are full on for you because the way you explain it. Yeah, we're so thankful. Part of the thing that we love about travel is being exposed to those concepts and that You know, it's really easy to live in your suburban, Mm -hmm. prosperous bubble. And there's a lot of children that we're surrounded by that are just in that bubble all the time. And we're thankful for the privilege we have for where we live and all the wonderful things that we have. But we don't want our kids to think that this is how it is everywhere. And it also isn't bad. It doesn't mean you have to feel sorry for those people every time that you say, well, these kids live differently than you. It doesn't mean that that's bad. It just means that it's different. And maybe you need to ask questions about why can they still be happy not having all those things or what could we do to make it better for them? You know, and those are all the important questions. And so we try to do that with love packs and we try to do that with travel. And we're super thankful for the conversations that he has at school. Definitely there's conversations they have at school that he wouldn't be having at a public school. It would be yeah. a safe place for him to ask some of those questions. Right. And the teachers would be afraid to answer some of the right. questions because they'd get well, in trouble. They right. do get in trouble. I was speaking to two of my very good friends last night and they're both teachers 
And they're literally in a school district that does not support them. Mm -hmm. They have to toe a certain line. They can't talk about things. They have such disruption from children because they know that they can disrupt. Yeah. And I think that it's not just a thing that you can do only if you travel. The world can be your textbook anywhere that you are. Mm -hmm. And so I would try to explain to people by saying, if your kid's really into dinosaurs, you can do math by saying, how many bones does he have? Or how many teeth does he have? And what kind of diet does he eat as science? And then you can... You know, you can learn about all kinds of different things by following your children's interests, Mm -hmm. which is another thing that we love that Miss Tracy does. She asks them all the time, what do you guys want to learn about? And then if they want to learn about battle robots, they can learn about battle robots, but they don't just build a battle robot. They learn about the electricity and how it works and the, the engineering that goes into winning the battle and all those different things. And you can take one topic. And it's not all about travel. So I don't want people to think that it's only about travel. And it can be about social things and all different kinds of things. It's well divided out amongst what it is. Right. You know, there's lots of different topics and different ways to Mm -hmm. approach it. Mm -hmm. And going forward, how do you, all the young teachers, all of the people are out there trying to do something different. And I know a lot of teachers leaving traditional teaching. Yeah. What would you suggest to them? Create your own school. (laughs) <laughs> create and your it own can environment. Be done. It can be done. You know, when I've talked to some teachers last year, I was getting asked to talk to certain people. The one thing they were worried about was insurance and things like that, which I can totally get. But I would say that, you know what? You got a degree. You can do anything you want with that tuition because you're a teacher and now you're in your own environment. The sky is the limit. Offer whatever you can. It's not hard to do. If you really want to do it, you can you can make it happen because that is what we're needing. That is what I think our kids are screaming for mm-hmm. right now. They want to be heard. They don't want to be talked at. And that's why we're seeing these things. They want to have discussions. Well, and kids have valuable things to contribute yes. to the conversation. And that's something that, I mean, I knew in a way, but until I traveled with my children, it's amazing what kids notice yes. and what kids say and what kids <laughs> observe. And what they internalize. And sometimes they'll tell you a story from six months ago. They'll be like, remember when we were in that restaurant and I saw this brain? And you're like, oh my, I had no idea you even knew that happened. You know, but they do. They notice it and yes. they, they're thinking about it and they're asking questions about it. And I think it's so important to realize that, that they're learning from all of those moments mm-hmm. and that there's so many applicable skills that they can use in school, sparking that curiosity yes. and that empathy yes. for people doing things differently and why they do things differently and what makes things different in different parts of the world and all those kinds of questions that can cause them to be better students and better at learning. It's so true. Mm -hmm. There's something very special about what you're doing. And so I have a question for both of you. First of all, Leah, I want to ask you this. How has this changed the way that your kids are? How has this changed the way that you approach things with the kids? Hard to say if it's changed it much because I've done it as long as I've had kids. But I think it's definitely changed my perspective and what I expected from it because I always knew that public school wasn't going to be a good fit for us. We have a joke in my family. I tell Justin all the time, you know, if we were there, we'd get kicked out anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) we might as well not do it because I'm I am not a rule follower and I don't conform and I am um, against a lot of the traditional things like the standardized testing and teaching to the test. I'm super I would be opting out of those things even Mm -hmm. if I was in public school. I'd be causing waves anyways. I expected to do traditional homeschooling. The world's changing right now. And I told Miss Tracy last year when schools shut down, I said, I don't think school will ever be the same because people are realizing that they have choices. And I never expected to have so many amazing choices. And every day new things are coming out. I've done a, a little bit of a partnership with Osmo. 
And they have some amazing learning things that you can do on the iPad and really cool ways to incorporate. Jameson has one that's a, a pizza restaurant and you're making pizza and you're making money and you're making customers happy and you're doing all these things on your iPad. With, with actual physical manipulatives that work with an iPad. I mean, it's a really cool system. That's and setting so, you up for success in business someday. Yes, yes. yes and you're, you're learning how to raise your prices. There's all these crazy things that they're doing in this game. When I started this eight years ago, even though there was amazing technology and things way beyond what we had as children when we were talking about homeschoolers, right. to see what's available now and even what's going to be available in a couple more years whenever Jillian gets into it has been amazing. Having your own children and traveling with them you might go into it expecting, I'm just traveling and my kids are here. Right. But actually, there's so much more happening when your kids are there. Mm-hmm. They're teaching you. They're learning and observing, like I said, way more than you realize that they are. And it's been eye-opening in that way as far as me seeing that actually so much more is happening. And then it's it's guiding me in what I should do. Because when I realize, oh, I can turn this into more. We started out when we were first traveling. I would read a couple of books about the place just to get him used to the idea of a new country. But then I realized that you can just go way deeper with that. And then he perks up when the tour guide's talking about it. He is familiar. So it's not just like blah, blah, blah. You know, he's like, oh, I know about that. That's I remember that from my book or I saw that in that video we watched, you know. And so we're learning as a family. You know, we're getting ready for some big trips to places we've never been before. And the entire family is saying, let's get more educated on this. And so that way, when you when you see this thing happening or you learn about this animal or whatever, you're more prepared to experience it better because you're educated on it. Yeah. That's so fantastic. Mm-hmm. What you've created is a second learning bubble, if mm-hmm. you will. How would you handle conflict between kids? And it's like, what's sit down and just talk. What is your problem with him? Yes. What's talk? Yes. We don't talk anymore. And if we do talk, it, it's not face to face. I was going to say, and face to face. Yeah. You sure. know, it's it's on, you know, you print something out and it's, you know, this is like, and this person, this, this, and, uh, you know, you want to sh- screenshot this person or whatever. Talk to the person. I'm full on. I grew up watching my mom, how she interacted with people. And she was this, I'm always asked, how do you deal with racism? It's like, I hit you face on. If you're honest with me, we're good. And they kind of look at me like, what? I want to know who you are face up. I will respect you more if you show me who you are. If you don't like me for my color, whatever it is, that's you. We're fine. We can sit at the table and we could talk. Because I know where I'm coming from. I know who you are. You know who I am. And kids don't know that anymore. No. We can disagree, and that's okay. Perfectly fine. We need to interact, get it all out, and just talk. I don't like you because you did this. Okay. How can we solve this? Are you going to leave this person alone? Do you think this is fixable? Or you just, you're done, and so you walk, and you see each other, and there's nothing else to say. Well, and can we talk about... Maybe he had a reason that he did that. Like, that's the kind of thing that the skills that people still need to learn that people are missing, I think, is maybe he had a reason. Maybe he had a bad day or maybe he didn't do it on purpose and nobody ever asked if it was an accident or not. I mean, whatever the thing is, let's have an actual conversation. conversation. No one's teaching our kids that. Yeah. I had somebody that I fought with like cats and dogs in elementary school. And my dad believed in sitting you down and making you discuss things. And that person is still one of my best friends. And to that effect, my brother and I, when we had conflict, my dad would make my brother sit in my lap and we'd have to sit there and talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. And the room. to yeah. this day, we kind of, it's kind of cringy, but we're like, it worked. 
it worked to just sit and talk and to get to know each other. And by the time we were done, we were usually hugging on each other and, you know, we were back to normal. Now, I know we've talked about a lot of different things. Leah, mm-hmm. is there anything else you wanted to cover with Miss Tracy today? <laughs> I think we even talked about food. Oh, yeah. And Miss Tracy and I both love food, and yeah. food is part of your education. It Ooh, is. It is. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, food. yeah it's, it's part of our education. You know what? I We put it onto our curriculum. We cook as much as we can. We cook our lunch. I love it. And So y'all cook your own lunch. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. I've had... <laughs> Some doors were like, oh, those are knives. Like, yeah, you know, they have their own knives. They've got their, um, I'm getting more of the separate warmers. Mm-hmm. So they have, the, each friend will have their own warmer. And the parents are like, oh, it's like, it's completely safe. We are talking about those things. That's what we're talking about is safety it's real in the life. kitchen. Yeah. Because we all have to be safe in the kitchen. <laughs> I burned myself one time. <laughs> My sister was like, "Uh oh, did you bring yourself this person? As yet, did you use the mitt? Yes, I used the mitt. <laughs> did it have a hole in it? I really didn't use the mitt. You didn't. <laughs> I used paper towel, and it was like, oh gosh. But it was funny because they knew, okay, you know, how did what happened? You, you know? knew what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And so I finally kind of broke it down to my students um, a couple of weeks ago how I teach. And I say, I teach you for real world. I don't teach you about something you may do. I teach you about things that you're going to need. If you want a job, we got to learn how to read. You may even have to write your application. You know what? You may have to send a video in. So I teach them about those things. These are the things that you're going to have to do. Not maybe, but you're going to have to do. And I want them ready for those things. I want them to have life skills. So we cook. We cook. And that cooking, you can talk about reading, talk about history math, which, you know, my kids joke around. I was like, I hate measuring. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's things that we're going to need. I was like, but you know, I have to use this because if we don't use it, the recipe is not going to turn out. Which we've had some following instructions. Following instructions. Sometimes it matters. And let me just tell you, my friends will tell them, did you follow the instructions? (laughs) (laughs) Like a little bit. So, you know, it's, I love the environment and I really wish, and I think we are going to get to the point to where we're going to do the real world things that kids are going to come out knowing how to fill out an application and not wait till they go to Wendy's and be like, oh, my God, what is this? What's a reference? Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to learn those things. We talk about this thing that I talk about with my son now because he's going to need those things. He's 16 years old. But it's like, oh, he's 16. He needs it. He needs it right now. Uh-huh. We talk about bank accounts, how to log in. All of my friends have their own Chromebook. They are responsible for that. We create the user and the password. And I said, and now Ms. Tracy is not going to handle that anymore. It's your responsibility to remember that because I can't hold stuff like that. That's your personal information. So they're just kind of like, oh. I was like, Miss Tra- you see Miss Tracy has to go and look for stuff. I was like, yeah, because she forgets sometimes, but she keeps it in a safe place. So those are her codes. So you have to learn to protect your passwords. We talk about things like that because you're going to need those things. That would make Bearded Adventurers so happy <laughs> that you keep the passwords secure. <laughs> and poor well, Jameson was like, what security is a real thing. We, yes. And we've talked, and, you know, he, when he came back from the trip, he's like, oh, Miss Tracy, I don't remember. I was like, oh, dude, I threw that away. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me. I was like, it's okay. It's okay. He's like, I think it's this one or this one. I was like, you know, we're just going to try. And if not, we'll just create a new one. He's like, okay. let's do it and it worked but he was like oh I was like this is why we have to remember those things Mm -hmm. and it's okay for you to save it at home but Miss Tracy once we do it I tear it up and we throw it away 
and no one knows about it. I don't know about it. It's only you. So real world things. When there's just so many, like you said, there's so many applications. And I think things like talking about food gives you so much insight, again, into other cultures, into other people and their lives, because there's reasons that people eat things a certain way. There's reasons that people make things a certain way. Well, and food brings us together. together. It's the one thing we all have to do. Right. And the one thing that can bring us together, and it's such a great learning experience, and you get to eat at the end. Which also, if you're mad at someone, it's hard to stay mad at them if you eat together every day. It is. And it's also hard to stay mad at somebody that cooked you something. (laughs) Especially if it was good. Exactly. You're like, I can't be mad at you. You just made me the yummiest meal I've ever had. Yeah. That's the best thing. That was one of the things that when I did the school tour. You need to do that in adulthood. You should. Should, they should, they should do a reality cooking. show where people are mad at each other have to cook together. Oh, we Ooh. should do that. Write that down. Write, write that down. Yeah, Put it on our list real. of things to do, Mark. <laughs> exactly. Every, yeah. Everybody that's listening to the podcast is going, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Edit it. Do it. <laughs> that's so funny. That's but it. yeah, so I was thrilled when I did the school tour. And he was only, I think, five or six yeah. at the time. And she said, we cook our own lunches every day. Yeah. And I was, number one, thrilled that they're going to do it. Number two, I was super happy not to pack lunches. <laughs> Because I hate having to pack lunch before school because I'm not a morning person. Well, we know Jameson can make pasta. Yes, we know yes, Jameson can make does. pasta from scratch for sure. They made yes. tortillas from scratch and yes. he'll, he made gelato. And it's funny because most of the time when we were in Italy for this last couple of months, he was the only kid in the class. And the chefs that were teaching the class were like genuinely impressed because I'm sure they saw the one eight-year-old in the class. thinking, right. like, oh gosh, this is a big disaster. Right. We're going to have to help him fix everything. And they're like, actually, it's kind of better than the grownups, this kid. And they, they would tell him like, wow, you're really good at that. You know, I said it with surprise. And he was like, yeah, I take cooking classes. You know, it was so funny because he, and he takes pride in doing it right. Like he, yes, he wants does. it to be correct and good. So, so it's so well, funny. And he needs to be good at gelato. His mom's a gelato oh snob. Gosh. That's true. <laughs> gelato snob. <laughs> Hashtag gelato snob. It's important. So, Ladies, I could sit and talk to y'all all day. Tracy, thank you for joining oh, us thank today. Thank you. It was well, Hopefully you'll come back again and maybe we that. can specialize on some topics. And yes, thanks for being here. I love that. Yeah. We are done with another episode of the Flip Flop Experience. If you want to get to know more about Miss Tracy's school, to learn more about everything that's going on. Again, she is the owner and educator of Little Elm Steam Academy, which is a micro school. And I found out today some great things. Ladies, thank you. Y'all have a great day. Thanks. Happy adventuring. (laughs) Thanks for being part of the Flip Flop Experience. Make sure to subscribe and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Flip Flops and Adventures. Stay tuned for a preview of our next episode. He started saying like, oh, I'm going rock climbing with my friends on Saturday. And I'd say, okay, well, just... Don't die. He would always say, nobody who dies doing those things means to die. Obviously, they don't mean to die. But what they do (laughs) is not try hard enough not to. It's the time that you don't tie the extra knot, the time you don't wear your motorcycle helmet. That's the time that people die. So you always have to take that extra step to make sure you don't die. That's the rule. Yeah, it was more like you need to make sure you do all the things to keep yourself safe. So they actually made it into the wedding vows. He swore to uphold the don't die rule to the best of his ability. And it's on the wall. He's, I'm going to hold him to it forever. But if I fail, then I'll be gone. So it won't really matter as much. You won't get in trouble for... Took, took a dark turn there. Well, just don't don't die and it won't happen. See, there <laughs> still, you go. That's, that's, that's still, still the rule. Don't die. It's not a problem.